0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Every person here has a unique divine design. Every person. Fearfully, wonderfully made with certain gifts, traits, personalities, and skills meant for the glory of God. God's never made a mistake. He did not make a mistake when He made you. Whatever He put inside of you, when He put that inside of you, it was meant to be there. Every believer, God given gifts, God designed. Mark Twain said years ago, the two most important days in your life are the day you figure out why you were, the day you were born, and then the day you figure out why. Why? What's the why that I'm supposed to answer? The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 139. He wrote, and he said, it was you who formed me, my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That I know very well. My frame was not hid from you when I was made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. Wow. God had something in mind when His mind was on you. Imagine God being mindful of you. Imagine that God had something intended with you. So I look at my gifts, you look at your gifts, and then we ask if I am only using the giftings, the traits, the personality, and the skills God's given me for me, for this life, then I'm, I'm missing the mark. Missing the mark is a biblical phrase talks about shooting for a target and missing the target. But that's actually the definition of sin. Sin is to miss the mark. Or if you know to do good and you don't do it. So missing the mark, is, it, it's to live my life and not actually live it on the purpose God intended for. What a, I would say it this way, what a sin. Not like a sin of I'm out doing something horrible, but what a waste. What did God have in mind when His mind was on me? So I want us to look. In in the book of Romans, Paul lists seven grace gifts. Seven gifts that God gave to the body of Christ to be used for His glory. Some we are so familiar with and some we roll right by. And yet you have some of these gifts romans 12 verse 1 so dear brothers and sisters i plead with you to give your bodies to god because of all he has done for you let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable this is truly the way to worship him how by giving him my life Using my gifts for his glory. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. The body of Christ, we refer to it. Christ is the head, we are the body. I'm looking at the body of Christ. Some, it's obvious, they're the hands. Some, you can tell, they're, they, they're the, the, the mind. Some are the shoulder, the government. Some are the appendix. We, we don't know what you do, but you rupture, and we got to take you out. But you're a part of the body of Christ. But he goes through and he says, We're one body. Every part of the body has a purpose. God has given us gifts, he says in verse 6 given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Now, I want you to notice with me, seven grace gifts dispersed among us for the sake of the body of Christ to move the body forward and move the mission forward. He says on in verse 6, So, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out, With as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Seven ministry gifts or grace gifts. You and I are supposed to honor God by using and exercising our grace gifts for His body or for His purpose and kingdom riverside church you are blessed the gift of leadership you have leadership here it's very obvious that you have the gift of leadership and operation moving at riverside church pastor bobby has a prophetic gift the gift of prophecy as is referred to here very obvious at this church even today in this service I would say the gifts of the Spirit have been an operation in the room because they're in the room and we're using them, the prophetic, the leadership gift. The serving gift is so evident. I mean, from the moment you pull in, and again, the young men in the reflective vests, in shorts, with that much energy and this kind of heat happy to be here, glad to see you, trying to show you where to park while you're shaking your head no, saying no, I want to go over this way over here. (laughs) The gift of serving is so evident here. This church is a serving church and you see it from the top down. The teaching gift is so evident. You just heard Pastor Caleb, talk about the current current series that you're in. Written in-house by the leadership in the house, you've got teaching gifts here for every age. Those gifts are so evident. Again, the leadership, the kindness gift. Not everybody has it. It's okay. But some people have the gift of kindness. Right now, I'm saying that. Some of you are thinking about somebody who... who, who just doesn't have that it's okay you didn't realize it's a gift and there's some people don't mean it I'm actually one I have to remind myself smile be friendly because I don't mean that I'm not I can be thinking about church today and this thing at church and and and, but my face says And I've, I've had people come up for, are we good? Oh, yeah, we're good. Why wouldn't we be good? Well, I don't know. Just the way you looked at me. Uh, was I looking at you? you? You were looking right at me. Are we good? Like, I, I never saw you. Uh, the gift of kindness, the gift of kindness all over the staff and greeters here. I have met the kindest people around here. People are so kind. But there's an overlooked gift right here in the seven that we don't understand. And I know we don't understand because otherwise we would embrace it as much as we use some of the other gifts within the church. And it's just as real of a gift. It is just as powerful as the gift of prophecy. Just as needed as is the gift of leadership. Just as much as we need the gift of encouragement and kindness and serving. It talks about Paul lists the gift of giving doesn't mean everybody cannot give, but there are people that have the gift of giving. Okay, let's say it this way. We all, Christmas time, birthday, there's some people you look forward to getting gifts from. Because they have the gift of giving. Then there's some others That you mean it when you say, oh, you shouldn't have. I mean, no, seriously, you should not have. What what am I gonna do with that? They knit me a koozie for uh, water bottles. Thank you so much. You should not have. Y'all with me? Giving is a gift. Here's what I have found. There are some people in the church who feel out of place because they did not realize that their gifting was actually a grace gift from God and they don't know how to use it for His glory. Now, the gift of giving is not about an amount. It's about heart. To have the gift of something is to have the, the what motivates me. And people can be motivated by different things. You don't have to ask leaders. If, if suddenly the power were to go out in here uh, and we needed to know our way out, leaders are gonna do what leaders do and they're gonna step up. And those that, everybody gonna say, all right, hey, hey, here's what we're doing. Because it's what comes out, it's who I am, it's how I operate. And there are people, Paul said it, that have been gifted with the gift. Of giving. Again, it's not an amount. Matter of fact, one time Jesus pointed to his disciples, and there was a little widow lady walking up to give an offering. And he pointed her out and he said, Now she has the gift of giving. He said, Now these others have come and dropped in big amounts and made a show of it, but they're just tipping and they're just they're in it for show. This woman is living for this and is sacrificially saying i, I got to give this. I'm, I'm pouring in because that's my gift. The gift of giving. The gift of giving. She gave the equivalent of two cents. It's not an amount. It's the heart. It's what moves someone. Seven gifts. Identifying our gifts. Operating within our gifts. Now let me give you an Old Testament a concept that God represented. For the longest, he led his people through judges. But then he transitioned into a kingdom model. And in Revelation 1, it's described, John describes God's kingdom as being comprised of kings and priests. Everybody say kings and priests. When you study the Old Testament, you'll see in that era that, the, that there were two players that functioned and operated together. The king and the priest would move the mission of God forward. The priest is one that we can understand. The king, perhaps, we don't understand as much. But let's, the first was Samuel was the priest. Saul was the king. And then David became the king and Samuel was still the priest. And then Nathan became the priest while David was still the king. There are many other examples. These are just the most notable where the priest and the king work together. Revelation 1 says he has anointed us as kings and priests. Everybody say kings and priests. The priest had certain responsibilities. He was to hear from God, and share what he heard from God with the people. He was to offer sacrifices for the people at the temple. He was to care for the house of God and make sure that it was up and running and that everything was alright. To look out for the widows and the orphans or the marginalized, those that were in need. That, that was part of it. In the Old Testament, it would use the phrase to look out for the strangers at the gate or in other words, how are we handling our outreach efforts, our, our ministries for those that, that would come in that have issues or challenges and displaced people. It also he would speak in to the people and before they would go to battle so whenever a great time of battle is on it on the horizon they would wait for the priest and the priest would come and Saul or David would say well what's the Lord saying and he would say God says the battle is his you go out there and you conquer and they're like let's go boys we heard a word from God the priest told us what he said let's go to battle and they operated together the king had responsibilities number one he went after the enemies of God. He took the spoils of war. He would take the spoils of war, and part of being the king was he got to keep some of the spoils of war. But he would also pay tithe off of those spoils of war to the temple to keep the church or the temple going forward as well. He governed and led the nation and he operated with the priest. So the priest, what's the Lord saying? How are you feeling? What's what's happening in the kingdom of God? uh, King, how's it going out there on the battlefield? How are you doing uh, Monday through Friday whenever you're going out there to fight and, and take on the enemy? And they would work together and they would work in tandem. And you can read in scripture a beautiful story of whenever the king and the priest are functioning together Everyone within their giftings, how God's plan, God's kingdom flourished. You can also find what would happen whenever a king would decide, I don't think I need the priest, I'll just do my own sacrifice. Or when a priest decided, I don't think we can lead this, I don't know that I really need a king, then there were issues. The priest was to share the vision. The king was the share of the provision. Vision and provision always go together. The priest would say, here's what God says we can do. The king would say, and here's the rate at which I believe we can do it. The, king, or the priest would say, here's the possibilities and the vision. And the kings would say, and this is the pace in which we can see that Thing happen. Everybody can give. Some have the gift of giving. Number one, I'm not taking an offering, so everybody relax. There's, there's just a couple of you look a little puckered, like if you were to stand up right now, that chair would go with you. I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm presenting on assignment a concept. Here's the reason why. There are too many men and women who do not feel like they have something to offer God because, well, I don't sing, I don't teach, I'm not... uh you don't want me to be a greeter. I, I, I'm not a greeter. But but what what are you? I I love going out on the battlefield on Monday. I love making sales. I love going out there and uh, the construction site. I can build things with my hands. I can get things done. I love watching the market. I'm very good at watching options and handling the finance. Whatever it is, and I'm trying to get you to recognize that is a grace gift from God. It is not just the fact that, well, some are called and some aren't. You are called to operate within your gifting, whatever your gifting is. A story that happened at Grace Uh, years ago, I put my son Spencer into a, a karate program. We had heard of this guy, a good guy, uh, Mr. Tripp Davis. Everybody knew it. it's a reputable karate school. And so Spencer was in school. Spencer I was in elementary age. And I would go and pay as a parent to go and sit and watch and hear uh, You know, a lot of kids going, yeah. And they break boards and then, you know, they do their thing and exercise and and I'm watching and it turns out Trip finds out I'm a pastor and we start talking one day and uh, he attended a different church and we were talking and he said, you know, pastor, I've uh, been praying and my wife and I've agreed we're going to sell the, the, the business because we want to do something for God. I was like, well, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, I just feel like I have ministry on me, and, you know, this karate school keeps us so busy, so we're just going to sell it so that we can do something for God. I was like, "Trip, listen, as a paying customer who comes here every week with my son, you're doing something for God. He said, well, no, I mean, I feel like I, like I want to do something of kingdom. I was like, "Trip." I sit there. I watch single moms walk in with kids that are absolute Tasmanian devils. (laughs) They have no control. But when they come in here, and you're the guy with the five degree or whatever it was black belt, and your master trip, suddenly you have that boy's respect, and he's listening. Trip, I've watched you pray with moms, and I've heard you tell moms, "Don't you let him act like that at home." And I've, I've, I've watched you're bringing, you're pastoring, right. you're impacting, and they're paying you to do it. <laughs> they're coming in here saying, "Would you help my child have discipline, have order?" And you, how many of you led to Christ, Trip? W- what do you mean you got to sell your business to have a ministry? Your business is your ministry. To this day, Tripp still owns his karate schools, plural, and he is a member of Grace Church, and he leads all of our men's ministry on the side. A lot of the men he leads in ministry were once boys that came through the karate school. You've got ministry. Every member's a minister. It doesn't have to look like a Sunday morning with a pulpit and a microphone. He has called us kings and priests. We need a priest to ask, what are you hearing? What is God saying? What's the spiritual climate in Victoria? And then we need kings who say, and now I'm going out on the battlefield and we're going we're gonna to take back territory for God. Every cell I make is to the glory of God. Every new client is to the glory of God. It's moving the kingdom forward. Moving the kingdom forward. What I want you to understand is your calling can take place behind a desk while you're making sales calls, while you're teaching in a classroom, while you're in a staff meeting, while you're seeing patients or clients. You do your ministry as a king. Romans 12, let me come back to what he said. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, Give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, he has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. What we need to do is empower the priest and release the kings in the room. Every member has a ministry. Imagine what could happen through Riverside Church if everyone walked out of here and said, I have ministry. My ministry is not just to go out and see how much money I can get in a 401k. Yes, God wants me to have a good 401k, but ultimately he wants to know I'm doing something that's moving the temple, the kingdom forward. So I have the gift of giving so I not Not only am I out there working, but I'm also using that gift for the church. We literally at Grace Church have a ministry team, just like we have ushers, greeters, uh, uh, nursery workers. We have a group, they are called legacy team members, and their ministry to the church is, I give. Beyond my tithe, I give. What's a project? What's going on? Because God has blessed me, and I'm thinking strategically. You know what? If we took that and did that, then we could sell this, and then that would move the church forward. I want to see anything we Here's an example. When Hurricane Harvey hit Houston, you've probably heard of it. When Harvey hit Houston, we were just shut down. The first call we got uh, was the Harris County Sheriff's Department saying, can you take evacuees? And we said, well, absolutely. Yes, we can take evacuees. We had an empty room. A rectangle long room like this, and we said, uh, we, and we had power. That's the thing that made us different than a lot of the places. We had not lost power. So we said, yes, we can take evacuees. Before we knew it, we had over 350 people. At one point, we had 350 people like 12 dogs and a rabbit. <laughs> people evacuate with everything. And everybody's in this room, and, and we're trying our best to make people comfortable. If you've ever been, uh, if you've ever had that happen where you're dislocated from your home because of a natural disaster, it is awful. And, and we're trying to help, we're trying to do things. And, and then Randy, a member of the church, called me and said, Pastor, I've got a boat. Where do we need to go to evacuate people? And I said, Randy, uh, l- listen. I'm glad you got a boat, but you're also the regional manager over a whole lot of Walmarts. More than a boat, I need a key. He said, what do you mean? We got 350 people. We need to feed. We've got dogs and a rabbit we need to feed. We got some people looking at the rabbit and randy literally said i have a key this is a man that does have a key to a walmart so we met him at walmart and all of a sudden with this disaster because they have no electricity all of their meat's going to go bad everything they have so he's like man let's just bless so we, a king with a key opened up a door All these other, all the evacuation sites were wonderful, but when you rolled by Grace Church, you could smell the barbecue pit. We were smoking chickens and briskets. People were eating steak. Everybody had new bedding, and everybody had a cot and a sleeping bag and pillows, and we were, there were card games and crates for all the animals to have a place, and everybody, because one person with a key That was, that's actually what birthed this book because that was a king and a priest working together. I saw a need, but I didn't have the capacity to meet the need. But somebody who had that capacity and had that gift of giving said, I can make that happen that's what we're talking about whenever we come together as one body and you say well here I can do this and they say I can do that and what are you talking about five acres in this building what's the timeline I tell you what pastor you just give us the vision we'll determine the timeline because you set the pace Christian people are generous people people with the gift of giving give Listen to this. This is staggering. 67% of all Christian giving is done outside of the church. So what it means, Christians who have the gift of giving are going to give. And so you might be watching and and you decide we're going to do the Shriners Hospital. That's a great cause. Or we're we're going to help uh, Red Cross. That's a great cause. We're going to help this organization. They're all great causes. And Christian people with the gift of giving are generous people, but 67% going out lets me know we have an issue of not empowering priests and kings working together because while you, you want to have a good return on an investment, you can give and maybe have your name on a hospital. And so there we go. There's the Smith Hospital we gave our name to it and it'll stay there till somebody gives more and that's your ROI your return on investment but there's another statistic there are things that happen through the church that offer not just ROI but EROI eternal return on investment. Because now while we're helping a soul through a hurricane like Harvey, we're also praying with them and talking to them and leading them to Jesus. Now it's got an eternal consequence to it. So I'm not just giving you a blanket and feeding you a meal, but I'm bringing you to the kingdom source. We're doing what Jesus always wanted. I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all would have everlasting life. And it's the power of kings and priests coming together. And when people understand i can make a greater difference through the church than i can through anywhere else does that does that make sense my mission today is just to empower the priest and release the king let the priest tend to the things of the priesthood and let the kings and i'm using that term kings and queens let them go out and conquer rule take dominion for the glory of god Every day when you leave your family, that last swig of coffee, and you pick up your briefcase, and you walk out of that house, or you take up your tool chest, or whatever it is you do, you are stepping into the battlefield, and the Lord says, go, take dominion, conquer, and win. And some may ask, well, why are you doing this? I am doing this. God's interested in my sales quota? Yes, He's interested in your sales quota. Not because He wants you to be salesman of the month, but because He wants you to flourish in this life, but mostly push the kingdom forward for the life to come. God does care about your seed and what you do. He knows that with every victory comes spoils and that with the spoils the temple is taken care of and the needs of the people. It's not about making the money. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. Let me wrap up. Paul had some words on this. It's the ten between the king and the priest. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. God... This is specifically Paul talking to Corinth about an offering. God will generously provide you all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See, that's what I love. God's intent. Now, he told the rich young ruler who asked, what must I do? He told him, go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, follow me. He didn't tell everybody that. Right. God doesn't care about you having money. He just doesn't want money to have you. Right. Right. you. Nowhere else did Jesus tell anybody to do that. He just told this guy because he knew you got, because this guy said, I follow all the rules and all the laws. Yeah, but you got another issue. Your identity is in what you drive and, and your area code. That's where you're at. So you go sell all you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. He didn't tell anyone else to do that. Right here it says in Corinthians, He will bless you that you have everything you need and plenty to share with others. I am blessed to be a blessing. People with the gift of giving know that whatever God gets to me, I'm going to let some of it get through me. And God knows if I get it to you, it gets through you. I'm going to keep getting it to you. Because ultimately, He's about kingdom. He's about seed, time, and harvest. Verse 9, as the Scriptures say... They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources, then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Notice what God's going for. A harvest of generosity in you. God is not that worried about what we're driving. He's worried about what's driving us. What's moving you. He's not willing that any should perish. And here's one thing we know, that the way you move the gospel forward is kings and priests together. And as we say, here's the message, here's the mission, somebody says, And here's the provision. Here's how we're going to do it. And God says, I'm in on that. It's not about the Benjamins. It's about the souls. I want to see the souls. I hope you're getting what I'm saying here because if, if this gets into our mindset, if this gets into our mindset, verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous notice you won't be enriched in every way so that you can have seven cars you'll be in No, you can be you'll be enriched so that you can be generous that's god's motivation i'm blessing you to be a blessing i'm giving seed to you because i realize seed gets through you to others you know the interesting thing about seed if I had a handful of seed, it's one of two things. I can eat it and that made it my harvest. Or I can plant it and we can feed a whole lot more people later. Does that make sense? So some of us are holding on to what's in our hands and saying this is all I got, it's all I got, it's all I got. And the interesting as long as it's in your hand, that's all you're going to got. So if what's in your hands not enough to be your harvest, you have to make it your seed. Yeah. And, you, and you plant. And you plant. And people that have the gift of generosity are the ones that have figured out, I can't out doesn't matter what I do. I can't outgive give him that he's faithful, that just as sure as there's a law of gravity, there's a law of the harvest called seed time and harvest. You reap what you sow. And if you, and, and literally that's in Corinthians. And, and I understand that as I give mercy and as I give gifts and I, okay, pastor, what's, what's going on now? What's going on? Okay, all right. Well, I, I can't do the whole thing, but here, here's, let's get this. Let's get this. You set the vision, we'll set the pace. Let's get this thing. Let's get this thing. Kings are just as called as priests. You're just going about your ministry differently. There are some of you in here, that you've wondered, well what am i supposed to do with my life in ministry cuz honestly i'm never more alive than when i close the sale. And yeah, that's an awesome feel. There is one feeling a little more alive than that is that is when you take the proceeds of the sale and you say now i'm blessed. Who else can i bless? what can we do to move it forward? (applause) Kings and priests, the future of this church is bright. It's bright. The vision is clear. The pace of the vision is up to people to get a revelation of who they are and what God wants to do and to understand the way He continues to give seed to the sower and let the kings be released and let the priests be empowered and let us all come together to move God's kingdom forward, forward, forward. I want to ask you to stand with me, if you would, please. Um... I started out by saying I'm on assignment because usually as a guest, when I come in to speak to a church with whom I have relationship, I have a message where I'm, you know, it'd be different. But I ask your pastors, how can we serve you? Pastor Bobby had read the book and said, I I want you to talk about kings and priests the thing that I felt was God there really is in Victoria there really are people in this church that just have never really seen what they got as as much a calling as is a person who says I'm a a missionary to Nigeria I'm a pastor of a church it's just as much called to be a king called to be a warrior out there Fighting in the workplace, doing it with integrity, not under the table, doing it with integrity, leading, caring for your employees, showing them that there's a right way and here's what, and then saying, Okay, God, I did ministry today, like Tripp Davis, the karate school. I did ministry today. Every contractor I met, every sub on the set, on the uh, construction site, I handled them with integrity. They know I'm a man or a woman of integrity. I prayed with them before the day was done, and then we took some of the spoils and we're moving the mission and the vision of God's church forward. I am called to be a king in God's kingdom. He's given me the gift of giving, and it's just as great as any other gift. I want to release it in somebody today. Again, it's not a mount. The widow had the gift. It's not about the amount. It's about the motivation of the heart. There are some of you that you're like, God, I, I, this is what I want to do for the kingdom. I want, I want to be a way maker in the kingdom to say that's not a problem. We got this. I want to ask you, if you will, just to kind of put your hands out in a receiving position. Let your spirit be in a spirit of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release every grace gift that is in this room. I thank you for the gift of serving. I thank you for the gift of hospitality. I thank you for the gift of prophecy. I thank you for the gift of entertainment. I thank you for the gift of leadership. And I thank you for the gift of giving that you have empowered some with, that they know my, my mission in life is to move the kingdom forward. And I do it on the battlefield of the workplace. Now, God, I pray uncommon ideas, I pray for strategic relationships, and I pray, Father, that you would see us as faithful servants, that if you get it to us, it will get through us for the glory of God. That, Lord, we are not living only for our 401K or our ROI, but our eternal return on investment. That, God, we are doing things today that will have eternal consequences to the glory of God. I pray blessing on this congregation. I speak against any word that has ever said that Victoria is a burnover field, that its best days were behind it, and I declare, no, that's not true. The best days for Victoria, Texas are in front of it. You're going to bless this town. You're going to bless its economy. And you're going to bless it through men and women who have the gift of giving, who want to see their city do well, their community do well, because they want the kingdom of God to move forward. Now, God, release our faith. Release the gifts in the atmosphere in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, if you receive it, would you say amen?